for being in Sunday school. And uh, today we're looking at 2 Samuel chapter number 12. 2 Samuel chapter number 12. And uh, anybody did not get a copy of the outline this morning? Raise your hand. Uh, back here's a couple. Thank you guys for helping me out. And so let's make sure. Anybody else keep it? Raise your hand. Did we get everybody? All right. And Brother Roman, if you can, or you and RJ, just keep an eye of folks coming in late. And so this morning, let's look at these first seven verses of chapter 12, 2 Samuel this morning. The Bible says, And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and came unto him, and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up. And it grew together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, of his own herd, to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, What's those next four words? Thou art the man. You look at those words there, and this, this is a, a passage, and it's a really a, a, something that is not a popular topic because, listen, there's, there's not many days or weeks that go by in my life that I haven't done something wrong that I need to be corrected. Now, I think that's one reason why God gives us a wife, you know? Uh, my, my wife keeps me in line for the most part. She does a pretty good job. But the reality is, is that when we, when we do something we shouldn't do, uh, there needs to be correction. You think about what, the, what the, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. And in that list of how it profits us, it says that God's word is for correction. See, even the word of God was given to us. That when we err, when we do things that we should not do, that God's word has, listen, let me ask you this morning, has God's word ever corrected you? You know? Now, uh, listen, when it does, a lot of times in my life, it hits pretty hard, you know, close to the heart when the word of God does that. But I also know that, that from this passage, and even in my own life, that there have been times where I needed correction and God brought someone my way to help me to understand that I was wrong about something. And I have to understand that when that happens, that it's the Lord that does that. Now, in this passage, what we're picking up, just to give you a little reference point this morning, remember we talked last week, week before, about the sin of David and Bathsheba. And of course, David did something that he should not have done. But when we pick up the story in chapter 12, what we're studying this morning is this is now maybe several months after the marriage of David and Bathsheba. It was months after both of them had been trying to pretend 
that everything was okay. That, that's kind of the way we are a lot of times. You know, when we get around other folks and there's something in our lives and you ask them, hey, how's it going? How's it going today? Usually you just get the traditional, it's going good. Everything's good. You know, it's fine. And a lot of times you, you, you know that there's something more uh, to the situation as was with David and Bathsheba. <laughs> David knew that he had done something wrong. And the, the reality was it had already cost David something. So when we pick this up this morning, what is David doing? David, if I could put it this way, because remember, he's the king. So David is doing his best to try to keep up his appearance. You know, a lot of times we could put on a suit, we could put on a nice dress, we can act the part, but really that's just a facade. When we were out in California, uh, my wife and I picked up a kind of a little thing on the side as, as time went on, we found out there was a bunch of hiking trails uh, in the mountain area where we lived there in, in California. So w when we could, when we could get away, we would go hiking, we loved it. And uh, one of the exits that we would get off, uh, somebody told us one time, they said, all that land there to the left is owned by, I believe it was Disney or something, somebody like that. And they said that they use that, they, sh they shoot a lot of movies, scenes and things like that down there. And a lot of times you can't tell what's there when, the tr when there's leaves on the trees because it's kind of hidden back behind all these trees. <clears throat> but when the leaves aren't on the trees, you can see what looks like an entire town down there. But if there's no leaves on the trees, you can actually see that it's just the fronts of the buildings. It's just the facades. And that's what David was doing was... David was putting up this front. He was, he was making all his appearances as a king, but the reality was we know from his sin that he was out of fellowship with God, and at this point in his life, David sadly was not ready yet to get back into fellowship with God. You know, when people are like that, and I've been there, when, when we get to that place in our lives, we're not a happy person to be around because of what's going on in our hearts, what's going on inside of us. David was hurting inside, and he was continuing to try to cover up his sin. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 32 there in your notes. This is what he writes in the Psalms. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. David says, listen, there's, there's just something going on. And what you study, now listen, you've got to get a hold of this. When we're out of fellowship with God, in David's life, here's what's happening. He's the king. Remember, it was the time that they went out to battle. At this time, because of the sin in his life, David had not seen any victories in his life. There were no military victories. There was no spiritual victories in David's life. And there's never going to be victory in our lives when there's sin in the camp, when there's sin in our hearts, when that fellowship with God is broken. What we're going to do is just like David was doing, we're going to be spinning our wheels really out of control. 
uh, David was running from God instead of running for God. See, remember, God had anointed him. God had chosen him. David was sinking when he should have been climbing. David was off track in his life. He was moving in the wrong direction. His army that he was over, they continued to fight fights during this time. But the same thing was there was no victories. They were not winning anything because of of all that was going on with their leader, with David. And so here's what happens. With all this going on, God brings someone to David. Anybody remember what his name is? Nathan. God sent Nathan into David's life. And here's two reasons why he sent David into, uh, Nathan into David's life. He sent him into his life to correct him. And he sent him into his life to redirect him. Because David had gotten off track. So God sends this man. I know this is true. Chastening is never enjoyable. It's not comfortable. Nobody enjoys it. But can I tell you this morning in our lives that if we receive chastening properly, we'll find that God can use it in our lives to change our direction, to give us clarity in life, to help us to understand what God's purpose really is for our lives. So notice, first of all, this morning, it all settles in one place in David's life, his heart. And it begins with the erring heart of David because David was in sin. David had got out of fellowship. The decisions that David had made had taken him out of God's will. That's not where we need to be in our lives. These decisions, you know what they're going to do? They're going to bring God's judgment into our lives. They're going to bring the, the judgment of God. David was in a situation because, he, remember, he was in a place where he should not have been. Remember, he saw something that he should not have seen, but he would have never seen it had he not been there. And there, David brought this all upon himself, the, 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 the lust of the eyes, the sin that was brought into his life, and that sin began to progress from that point on. Look what it says in Proverbs 13. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is what? It's hard. You know, you, you cannot live that life and it be a life of ease. David was discovering this, Proverbs 28. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But notice the admonition from that verse, whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. David wasn't at that place yet in his life, and he was doing everything he could to keep up his appearance, to act like everything was fine, but everything was not fine in his heart. He was struggling. He was hurting. And when things start to go wrong, we want everyone around us to think, hey, listen, we're okay, everything is fine, when the truth is, it's not. We, we, we do not want to tell people the truth. Part of it is because we're afraid. And by the time we come to 2 Samuel 12, David now has spent several months in this situation where he's in a state of denial. He's denying the fact that he's going through what he's going through because of the sin in his life. So notice when you think about David's heart, notice first of all that David went astray. I mean, David certainly, along with Bathsheba, they hoped that no one knew the truth. 
I mean, in their hearts, they, they thought to themselves, I, I hope no one knows the truth, but can I tell you, when no one else may know what really is going on or what has happened, there is someone that does. And guess what? God told Nathan. I was standing out there in the lobby uh, over there by the sacred uh, coffee and donut table over there this morning. And Miss Mickey walked up to get, get some coffee and that. And I said to her, I, I was just trying to be nice. I said, how was work yesterday? How did you know I was working? <laughs> I just looked at her and said, well, it was Saturday. You work on Saturdays. Well, I don't work every Saturday. And I said, well, the GPS on your car told me you were at work. And she looked at me and went, <laughs> I didn't know she, I, was just, I just thought she was at work. I was just trying to be nice, you know. But can I tell you, listen, when we don't know things, God knows everything. And God told Nathan. And so God sends Nathan to David. Nathan confronts David. And it's interesting sometimes when you look at this, I love how Nathan when he goes to David, now eventually he said to David when David didn't get it, he eventually said, hey David, I'm talking about you. That's where the Bible says, thou art the man, because David wasn't getting it. Because God told Nathan to go to David, and what does Nathan do? Nathan uses a parable to try to get the story across to David. We just read it there in those first seven verses, that he had this one little ewe lamb. It was all about Uriah and Bathsheba, who was his wife, David had everything. David had the whole kingdom. You know, isn't that our human nature? Remember what God told Adam and Eve? You can have anything in the garden except what's on the tree in the midst of the garden. And what did they take? They took something off the tree. That's human nature. And, and so he's, David, he, he went astray. David's righteous indignation when when Nathan is telling this, this story to him, his, his righteous indignation begins to swell, and David pronounces the death penalty as, along with a fourfold re uh, restoration. But David still didn't get the fact that Nathan was talking about him, which brought to my mind that verse where David, it, he, it was easier for him to see the moat in, in another person's eye than to see the beam sticking out of his own eye. <laughs> David just didn't get it. And so Nathan tells him, he says, David, thou art the man. You're the one I'm talking about. Nathan told David, listen, God has blessed you so much, David. God has given you so much. Was it not enough? I mean, listen, I think no matter where you are in life this morning, I think all of us could probably say, God's been good to me. You know? I mean, we might, we might be facing some challenges, but listen, in the long run, you're here this morning. You're breathing. You know, God's given you a new day. His mercies are new every day. God's been good to us, so good to us, better than we ever deserve. And that's what Nathan is saying to David. He's saying, look, David, he says, God has, has given you so much, he says, but you wanted more. I mean, why was David, and maybe so many of us, willing to despise the commandments of God? That's what he did. You know, he did it against this matter of murder and theft and adultery, and what he did 
the truth was in David's life, the truth was out. Nathan was telling him, look, I know, God knows. Uh, look, you might think you're kidding and fooling everyone, but listen, your best effort to hide this, it's not working. And so Nathan explains that God's judgment was going to fall on him, but not only on David, but on all of his family. Why? Because David went astray. But notice, secondly, that David also was made aware. Because, again, in that silent moment when Nathan confronted David, David confesses to Nathan. Look what it says if you have your Bible there in chapter 12 and verse number uh, 13. Look what it says here. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because of, by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. See, David does confess, but during this time of, of deceit and pretending that everything was okay, listen, David came to the place where he realized there's no excuses, there's no uh, pointing the finger, there's no blame shifting. That's why he says to Nathan, I have sinned. And notice what he says, I've sinned against the Lord. See, all sin ultimately is against God. We might sin against someone else, but ultimately, and that's what Joseph said when, <clears throat> when he was tempted, he says, how can I do this great sin and sin against God? See, when we get to the place where we realize when we transgress, when we sin, that ultimately all of our sin is against a holy God. And that's what David confesses here. It would have been better in his life if David months ago, when it happened, if he would have just come clean. But he didn't. Look what it says in Psalm 51. As you look at these verses, David pours out his heart. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me against thee. Notice this, thee only have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. I mean, listen, here, here's something that just stuck out to me this week as I was studying for this, this Sunday school lesson is this, that... It's a good thing when we finally get to the place where we confess. That's a wonderful thing when a person gets there. But when I looked at this, although David had admitted his guilt, Nathan made David aware that there is going to be consequences to his actions. I shared with a young couple yesterday that my wife and I had the privilege to lead to the Lord in their home and I, I shared with him the verse, for the wages of sin. See, there's a price tag on sin. I, I told him, I said, you can't walk into a store and just pick up something and walk out of the store. What would happen if you did? And he said, you'd get arrested. See, it, it's a wonderful thing that David finally admitted his, his sin. He confessed. But Nathan says to him, look, David, you have to understand that there is consequences to your actions. He was made aware of that. 
God's not going to tolerate. Remember, what? look at it again, verse 14. He says, By this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Remember, the, if you were here on Wednesday night, that's what the missionary was talking about. About not being a stumbling block to others. And in this case, Nathan says, because of what you've done, he says, you've, you've brought a reproach on your God in front of other people. And he, David was made aware of this. Romans chapter 2, look at verse 24. The name of God, it says, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. I hope that's not the case in our lives. We need to be careful about our actions because it will bring a reproach on the name of God. Listen, they, when we think about this, the world, and I believe this with all my heart, the world is looking for people who consistently live by what they say they believe. Let me say that again. The world, not Christians. They are looking at people who consistently live by what they say they believe. In other words, if our lives don't match our words, the world will disregard our claims of the power of the gospel. They have to match. You know, uh, your, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Do you get that? And we have to understand as sin comes into our lives, that people around us, they need us, and our families need us to live for God. What we do, we need to be aware of what we do affects those around us. So David went astray, and David was made aware of his sin. And so the, we see the erring heart of David, but here's the good thing is, because David finally confessed, we see the open heart of David. David's heart begins to open up once again. God's word places great importance on the condition of the heart. Look what it says in, in Proverbs 4. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of our hearts. Folks, listen, it, you need to guard your heart, okay? Don't allow things to enter into your heart. And David's erring heart, it was the, the, through this honest confession, and it was through David's repentance that David once again, his heart began to open up. Notice David's heart, first of all, was tender. Look at verse number 15 of chapter 12. The Bible says, Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. And David therefore besought God for the child. David fasted, and he went in and lay all night upon the earth. So David, look, it was no mystery. David knew because of what Nathan had told him from God. David knew that the child was going to die, yet David's heart was full of compassion. Again, look at verse 16. It says, David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in, and he laid all night upon the earth. You see, when we see this, we sense David's heart of compassion. I mean, David, he, he fasted for the child. He prayed for the child. He wept. When's the last time we cared so much about someone that we would fast for that person? We would pray for that person. We would beg God on their behalf. Listen, especially maybe for someone like David was thinking about this little child. He doesn't deserve what is happening. 
it's all because of what I've done. I've brought this on this child. And you know, our sin affects others. You know, it affects our, our families. It affects our friends, our co-workers. And David here, he, he has a heart that is tender. But notice also, David, when his heart was tender, David's trust was in God. Again, look what it says in verse number 17. The elders of his house, they arose while David's fasting and praying. The Bible says they went to him and they went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass on the seventh day, for seven days, David is fasting, David is weeping, David is, is praying for this child. And it says for on the seventh day that the child died and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. For seven days this child had this illness. And during that seven days, can I tell you from the word of God, David wasn't putting his trust in the doctors. David was putting his trust in God. Now don't get me wrong. I, 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 listen, the Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Listen, I'm glad we have doctors. I'm glad there's some good doctors out there. But can I tell you that instead of trusting in the good doctor, we need to trust in the great physician. And that's what David was doing. David was trusting God during this. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. God's the one that cares about us. And, and when I see this situation and the death of David's son, what does David do? When he hears about the death of the child, the Bible says David arose, David washed himself, and David stopped grieving. Now, how could he do that? Because he was trusting in the Lord. See, it's a wonderful thing. Look at verse number 23, and this is a verse I've shared with many because some have asked this before. Verse 23, the Bible says, But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. I've had people who maybe a child has passed away at a very young age. And they've asked me, they're like, now, Pastor, where is that child? Where, where did our child go? Well, according to the scriptures, I believe that the scriptures teach that if a person has never come to the place where mentally they're able to understand that they are a sinner and that Christ died for their sins, God would never send someone like that to hell. And David says, where that child is, he says, I'll one day be reunited with that child. See, David was trusting God through all of this. God promises that everything that he brings into our lives, and sometimes we view it as a bad thing, but listen, whether it's good or bad, when God brings things into our lives, can I tell you that it is all for good? Every last bit of it. We know Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good. Notice the rest of the verse, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Look, God tells us, I'll never leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. 
I'll always be there for you. And in David's trial, what does David do? He illustrates to us that we can trust God and we can fully rely on the promises that God makes to us. How many of you believe that this morning? Yeah, we can trust God. Now, we may not always understand it, but can I tell you, in the text this morning, David fully understood why the things happened, and it was all pointing back at him. See, David, he had an erring heart, but because David finally confessed and forsook and got things right, his heart began to open. And notice, thirdly, this is where a lot of folks find themselves. I see the repentant heart of David. Now, repentance is a voluntary change of our mind. Notice, voluntary. The sinner turns from their sin. It's a change of our view. It's a change of our feeling and a change of our purpose. You think about John the Baptist in the Bible. John's message was the exact same message that Jesus preached after John was beheaded. And their message was one word, repent. And guess what people need to do today? Repent. When I say people, I'm talking about all of us in this room. I'm talking about everyone that's in this world. We all need to understand this matter of repentance. David confessed his sin. You know what that means? He turned away from it. He repented of his sin. What are the results when we do repent? Well, look at the results from David's repentance. Notice, and I love this, David, first of all, was restored. He was restored back to God. See, after his child died, David returned to his normal schedule. David knew that it was time to go on with his life. And you know what that meant when David understood to go on with his life? That meant that it was time for him to walk with God again. That meant it was time for him to live for the Lord. Yes, he had gotten off track. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that when we get off track, he allows us to get back on track? And that's what happened in David's life. He accepted God's judgment, but he also accepted God's forgiveness. David was restored by God. David didn't, and so many people, you know what happens to them when they go through a trial? They get bitter. But David didn't get bitter. As a matter of fact, when I look at his life, David knew he had brought all this upon himself. And, and David, look, he knew that God would not despise his heart, which was broken. It was a contrite heart. The Bible says in Psalm 51, 17, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. The joy that David had in his former days was restored in full vigor. David's joy was back. Uh, there was nothing anymore between his soul and his Savior. David might have been a king with power, but listen, David could not restore that fellowship, but God did. God restored his fellowship. And we, many times what we try to do is we try to manipulate our relationship with God, but David, did, he could not do that. Only God could make it to where they were closer again like they had been in the past. And so David was restored as a result of his repentance. But notice, secondly, David was relieved. Look at verse 24. Look at this verse. David comforted who? Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her, and she bare a son, and he, he, he called his name Solomon. Now, we know Solomon. We know a lot about Solomon in the Bible. Isn't it interesting how God comforted, he is the God of all comfort, right? And God comforted David, and then what did David do? David comforted Bathsheba. 
He says, listen, he says, God has, has restored me and I want to help you the way God's helped me. See, the fruit of repentance and the fruit of restoration is that you and I will want to minister to others. And that's what David did. He ministered to Bathsheba, his wife. Look, we should seek to comfort people in our lives. Why? Because God's comforted us. Uh, there's probably someone today that if you would allow God to use you, you could probably help to lift someone's burdens. Maybe God will allow you to lighten someone's load. It's our responsibility to help others. A lot of us probably know someone who's maybe looking for that peace that, that we have, the peace that passes all understanding. This passage, when I look at it and I see how David was in sin and he was away from God. See, erring believers need to accept correction. That's what David did. He accepted it. He went forward. Failure does not have to be final. I love this verse in the Bible in Proverbs 24. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. When God chastens us, when God deals with us, you know what it is? It's a sign of God's love for us. God's, God's not going to let us just continue in that sin. Whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. When correction is needed, can I tell you this morning, don't avoid it. Embrace it. Accept it. Get right with God. You know, th to me, this, this passage is an amazing passage. And there's, there's been times in my life... God has corrected me, but it's never, it's never a, a fun thing to go through. Anybody ever struggle with that? You think about this. I mean, when I think about David this morning, and I think about after this scene, David probably treated people differently than the way he treated Uriah. You know, you just think about the evil intent in David's heart. God help us to love others the way God has loved us. And when, when correction needs to come, as hard as it is for us to hear, let's receive it so that we can become better, that we can be used in a greater way for God. All right? Lord bless you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Pray that you bless the word of God this morning. Thank you for how you worked in your, your servant's heart and life. Thank you for the change that came about in David's heart. And Lord, if there's ever a time in our lives that we need it, Lord, I pray that you would always deal with us as your children. Even though it may be difficult, Lord, help us to receive it, to get right with you, to get back on track, to be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.